0: You are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association.
1: Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, produced by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. This is Heather Mason, MBDA president. Specialty bicycle retailers are the heart of the cycling industry. And since 1946, the MBDA has existed to strengthen these businesses through education, research, communication, and advocacy. We truly believe when we create thriving bicycle retailers, the industry and the cycling community follows. The NBDA is a non-for-profit supported by the membership of participating retailers and industry partners. If you're not already a member, you can learn more and join online at nbda.com. I'm really excited for today's guest, Matt Lyon. So Matt is the president and CEO of Hydropack. He's worked in the outdoor industry for decades and serves as the board chair of the California Outdoor Recreation Partnership. In 2018, Polar Bottle, a US-made Colorado-based company joined HydroPack, forming a partnership between two industry leaders in creating new ways to live out the Polar Bottle message. I'm a huge fan of Polar Bottle myself. Focused on the bike market and growth, a cyclist himself, Matt has refined the Polar Bottle line, expanded the US facility, focused on custom bottles, quick turnaround, and retailer flexibility. In this conversation, you'll listen as Matt and I dive into the history of the two companies, the US expansion, polar bottle brand, state of the industry, and future plans. There's a lot here. So without further ado, welcome Matt to Bicycle Retail Radio. Thank you for coming on the show.
0: Well, thank you, Heather. Great to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: It was so nice to catch up with you a few weeks ago and prep for our call. And like I usually do, I did some diving into your background, and I would like to give our listeners just a firsthand version. So starting there, in the bio, I mentioned you're a cyclist yourself, starting at the core of what we do. How did you get into the sport? Would you give us a little background? Are you a road, mountain cyclist?
0: Sure, sure. Well, the quick answer is roadie. (laughs) But uh, yeah, my first real cycling experience was growing up in Minnesota when I was in high school, I wanted to go do the Jim Klobuchar Tour, which is kind of a big thing at that time in the in the 80s. Went down, saved up my money, went down to Penn Cyclery on Penn Avenue and bought my first chrome-plated Schwinn Voyager, which was like that first big bike for, for me. And did the Jim, Jim Klobuchar Tour. That was great. And then kind of went off to college in New Jersey. I had a friend who was in on the cycling team and actually talked me into coming out And so my senior year there in college, I rode on the cycling team, raced for Princeton. telling you, one season was all it took. I loved it. After college, I moved to LA, down to I-Martin Imports in Beverly Hills and bought my first Italian road bike. There it was always on the coast, kind of up in the Malibu Hills. Great riding. Loved it. Went to grad school in Palo Alto and actually went out for the team, rode for two years on the team there. Pretty cool. When I, On the second year, the team won the National Collegiate Championship, so that was a big deal. My entire contribution was by being the treasurer, so <laughs> I was not on the A squad, but it was still cool to be there. I got into mountain biking for a few years when I worked for Marin Mountain Bikes. I was there for about five years. But Really, ever since then, it's just been road for me.
1: Oh, my God. I love how it like finds its way into our soul and it, it just stays with us. Okay. I didn't ride in college, but I can imagine. And I love how you're like, <laughs> I was there. Palo Alto is a beautiful area, Matt, right? Oh, my God. just yeah. love the roads around there.
0: Oh, fantastic. And the first time you get like from Palo Alto riding over to the coast and down along the coast coming back. It's just, those are just epic
1: rides. So did cycling, like your passion for the sport, fuel your passion to get into the industry? Like before pack which was, I think, 2001, what was your professional experience? Where were you in your life?
0: Well, my first couple of jobs out of college, I was in investment banking and in private equity investment. So it was kind of financially oriented, so I've kind of got a numbers bent, but i pretty quickly got turned towards sporting goods. I took a job with a athletic footwear company, really enjoyed that whole consumer focus for product development and that kind of annual cycle of, of creating new things and just being able to add my own personal kind of intuitions and thoughts and feedback into my work. I really got into that. So I, after grad school, I, I did high-tech snowshoes for a year. So I started off as a sales manager doing snowshoes. And then actually, right after that, I took the job at Marin Mountain Bikes. And you know cycling had been my thing before that. So that was a really interesting opportunity. I was there for five years. Yeah, I, I guess you could say at that point, I kind of knew I was going to be in the bike business or recreational products or sporting goods or something for my whole career. Because I just really enjoyed it. And I was in her bike. Taipei show, Cabo, you name it. I was into it all, and knew it was my place.
1: It's so enjoyable to work in an industry that you actually love. And It sounds like you're not just a cyclist. It sounds like are you? I mean, are you a runner and a hiker? And it sounds like you're a pretty awesome adventure dude.
0: I used to run, but that that kind of stopped. I had a herniated disc. That kind of ended my running career. But I still do a lot of backpacking and hiking. And I've you know I've actually ramped up the backpacking the last few years to go along with the cycling. Yeah. Those are, those are the big events or big things that I do.
1: Let's talk about hydropack Hydropack hydropack.com is the website and it says California designed and it points out humble beginnings in a garage. Is this an actual, like, is this your garage, Matt? Tell me (laughs) what
0: yeah, you know, that was, a, that was the classic, you know, the, the, the founding story for Hydropack is that I had left Marin Mountain Bikes, decided I wanted to do it on my own nickel. I was kind of ready to, to start out on my own. And that summer, Bell Sports had put all of its brands up for sale and they weren't kind of sure what they were going to sell, what they weren't. Came down to the end of the summer, they decided they were going to sell two brands, uh, Road Gear and Hydropack. And road gear they sold to Yakima. And Yakima shut them down and basically threw away all the inventory. All they wanted was the the, the patent. Mm-hmm. The only other bidder for HydroPack was Camelback. And they knew exactly that and Camelback was owned by the same company as Yakima at the time. So they knew exactly what was going to happen. So they decided that they didn't want to piss off the employees that much. So they sold it to me instead. We came to a deal on September 10th, 2001. So literally that was the day I committed every penny I had. Yeah, 9/11 I was at my lawyer's office in downtown San Francisco. We were kind of writing up the purchase agreement. We had a TV on on the end of the table. The Twin Towers were falling. They announced they evacuated the building, but I was just so focused on what I wanted to do. I was like, "Nope, I'm ready to work through it and my lawyer is getting paid. So he was happy to stay as well. (laughs) And so, yeah, we we drafted the deal on 9-11.
1: We all like remember where we were that day, right? Yeah. That's not a place that, yeah, it's like, oh my God, you're already probably in like a pretty stressed out moment, taking a big leak or very excited. I don't know which way, but um, I mean, how were you feeling about venturing into owning your own company. I mean,
0: was it- Yeah, you know, it it, it all started out great. Like you said, it started out in a garage and I just was excited to be doing my own thing. I liked the product line. I loved, again, I was kind of running and biking. So using the products myself, that was all great. Hiring people, getting an office, getting set up, going over to China, getting the product made. I didn't, you know, it was interesting. The first couple of years went great I didn't quite realize at the time, but it was mainly because at that time, you know, the Camelback was the top brand in the category and they were making products for the military. they were getting ready for the invasion of Iraq. And so they were not supplying products to the retail at a very good rate. And so there was a lot of empty pegs at retail. And so we did really well filling those empty pegs. Of course, once we invaded Iraq and Camelback took their full production and kind of flooded the U.S. market. That's when we really had to get serious and figure out, you know, what we were good at, where we added our value, and how we were going to make it.
1: So much there. I'm imagining from your time with Marin that you had many relationships in the bicycle industry and probably many retailers. I'm trying to think about, you know, I, I own a shop. I've been working at a shop since 2000. I've been our cyclist my entire life. When did cyclists start wearing hydration packs? Like, I'm trying to like just shake it off and go back for a minute. I don't remember when that switched. I back. think it was,
0: I think the the early stories of Camelback were around 94 mm-hmm. with mountain biking and kind of down in, in Texas. And then Hydro started a couple of years later under Bell and that kind of had the back and forth with some different product developments and whatnot. But, you know, Cam- Camelback definitely kind of had that leader's advantage and was the name that people knew But by the time I got involved in 2001, it was a pretty solid, you know, very mountain bike oriented category at that time, still really positioned within bicycling retail that outdoor retail hadn't really adopted it yet. But it was definitely a standard product at all bike retailers by 2001.
1: So lifetime warranty on all Pack products. Has the progression since 2001 been as you hope for? I mean, there's been a lot the past two years, I'm sure, navigating
0: Yeah, you know, it's like, it was interesting. Like I said, we had this moment where a couple of years in realized that, okay, this is, these are competitive spaces. You have to know what you're good at. And I realized at that time that what I was good at was the engineering, if you will, the plumbing on a hydration pack. And when we were trying to compete with the whole backpacks, we definitely with a smaller brand, we had a tougher time. And so realized that there were a lot of bigger brands with very talented backpack designers who didn't know much about hydration and that we had an opportunity to partner up, that we could be the technical hydration side. They could be the kind of branded backpack, soft good design side. Like I said, when we started focusing on hydration alone, you know, probably about four or five years after we started, we had some great partners in the beginning. Uh, Dekine was one of our first partners. Working with their design team, Uh, Solomon came on within a year or two after that. And we kind of, with us and Solomon, really launched this whole trail running and hydration vest category. So, and and that was...
1: (laughs) You're speaking my language, Matt. I'm a trail runner and I have one of those, and I love it.
0: (laughs) Well, literally, I can tell you the story of of working with their athletes and them carrying little 250 milliliter soft flasks in their hands because they loved it so much more than than bottles. And like, how can we get the people to carry these things? So it was really cool. We kind of created that. I mean, the the people at Solomon are brilliant. So, you know, I give them full credit, but I'm happy to say we were half of that team creating it. So that, but and that's the kind of great experience that we started having, working as an original equipment supplier and realize, okay, this is kind of our path forward. Maybe Camelback was the, the brand name that people knew with the vertical integration but we can work with all these brands and create really interesting products for different categories, different athletes, not just kind of a one size fits all solution and make sure that every athlete had their own special solution. And that's really where we kind of found, you know, that was how, where it progressed for us. And, you know, I mean, today we work with over 70 brands. We make millions of reservoirs and soft flasks a year. You know, the majority of what we do make does go into other people's backpacks and hydration vests. But, uh, yeah so it's a been a really interesting path for it. I'm very happy today where things are at. But you know it's taken a while to get there. It's a 20 year road.
1: It's really interesting to look at things like when you're in it and you're just simply working on one task you don't always have the time to to be creative to allow yourself to think about what you're, you know, what opportunities are out there that you're not yet solving or having a solution for. But in your case, you know, here you are making an a, a incredible product, but also allowing yourself the time to say, "What else can we do? How much further can we take this?" And you have you have literally a diversity of products that really does fit every type of athlete. It's really awesome what you've done. Could you imagine at the time that in two thousand eighteen this opportunity would come around to purchase Colorado-based Polar Bottle?
0: Yeah, that, it well, like if you if you back up and think about. It. You know, I've, I've always been around athletes, different kinds of solutions stuff. I've always been a cyclist. So bicycle bottles, I mean, something I'm holding in my hand every week, right? So I had been thinking about it for a long time. We actually tried to launch some bottles ourselves at one point, but just kind of a crowded space and, and didn't have a lot of retail strength. So it didn't work out. And I knew at that point that I really had to find someone that already had an established position. So I've been kind of lurking around this, this corner of the world for a while. And it was, yeah, 2018, things just felt right. We'd been on a, a really good streak with Hydropack, they really started to expand our, our distribution. I, I talked to some folks at the show that summer, asked them about Polar Bottle, you know, how they were doing. I know they'd had a couple of tough years that their patent expired and they lost their distribution in Dick's Sporting Goods, which was their top customer And so I I just went over and talked to Judy Amabile, who's at the show. She's one of the the founders of of Polar Bottle. And she was working the booth that day. You know, I kind of just told her what I was thinking and asked her if that was something she'd be open to. And it was really clear within five minutes that we were both looking for the same thing, which is really funny because if so, Judy is now a state representative in Colorado. So Mm -hmm. she's a politician. Like immediately after we bought the company from them, she started putting together her election campaign and running for office. So, so she was also really ready to go do something else.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> it's not, you know, when you're thinking about transitioning out of something though, it's that's gonna be a hard thing after 25 years, right? Like this is your yeah. baby and you have to make yeah. sure the fit is good. So serendipitous for both of you, I guess that would have been well,
0: and you know, her husband was Robert Heiberger, who was the inventor of the bottle. And so it was a family mm-hmm. business through and through as well. So yeah, to, to step out after 25 years was a
1: big deal. So they were based in Boulder, but in 2020, I believe, you expanded into Longmont. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So when we bought the business, they had just signed a one-year lease on the space. In signing it, they told us we were prob- they are probably going to lose the space at the end of the year. So we kind of knew we had to move. This was fine for me. You know, it was To me, this was all about kind of a turnaround, about a revitalization of the brand, bringing a lot of fresh freshness to it. And so new space sounded good, you know, to get everyone excited. I, I went around and talked to the staff and it turned out about 75% of the people already lived in Longmont, about 10 miles up the road from Boulder, because Boulder is getting pretty expensive. And so businesses are starting to move out. But yeah, that just kind of, it seemed obvious that we would move the business from Boulder to Longmont, then get a little lower rent and be close to where all the employees were.
1: How many employees are there, Matt?
0: In Longmont right now, we have 45 employees. So HydroPack overall is about 65. We have an office in, in Hong Kong with six people. We have an office in Oakland where we do a lot of our product support and where I'm based um, and where we started. But we've really expanded the most in Colorado. That we, we doubled or we increased greatly. I think it was more than double moving to Longmont with a 25,000-square-foot facility and that's where you know, it's going to be the manufacturing hub for our US based products so we do polar bottle is assembled and we do all the printing for the graphics there in house we use other suppliers there in the front range area for all the other products it's a made in the USA product and then we have a second line called bottle bright which is a cleaning tablet for bottles and reservoirs and that's made in Oklahoma so those are our two US based products and they were going to be based there And then we also wanted it to be our distribution facility for all three brands. So we started with 25,000 square feet. Like I said, about, I guess, 20 people are dedicated to to the Polar Bottle Assembly and distribution and the others are support staff, kind of a customer service, specialty channel manager, marketing, finance, et cetera. But yeah, we've actually expanded since 2020 into some space. Some space opened up next door. And so we expanded into that when we realized we needed more. And I was just out looking at additional warehouse space last week that we're probably going to bring on another 10 to 20,000 square feet right in the area just for overflow storage right now. So, yeah, the, the growth has been very good.
1: Wow. Wow. So what an amazing time, you know, your you take on an, a, another company, add that to your portfolio, portfolio, a U.S.-based company. I mean, was there some things there that you had to learn just about U.S.-based companies or how things, you know, maybe that you weren't accustomed to working with as far as sourcing product or, or different laws or regulations in the U.S.?
0: I definitely wanted to take it slowly because we had been doing Chinese sourcing and for you know all those years. And before that, I was Taiwan sourcing with Marin Mountain Bikes. And so I was very used to that avenue. We took it slow in the first year with Polar Bottle. Didn't make a lot of changes. Wanted to get out and get to know the suppliers who were very important, the blow molders, injection molders, whatnot. And there was some changeover. You know, we did have some suppliers turn over. And this was even right before um, COVID hit. So, yeah, a big emphasis on getting to know U.S. manufacturers, getting to know what they could do, what they couldn't do. Fortunately, you know, the performance nature of the product, we knew well. right? We knew what it meant to, to compete and succeed as a performance hydration product. So, kind of, re, you know, going in, redeveloping the products, updating the aesthetics, kind of focusing on the athlete and their needs. You know, hydration can never leak, it's just one of the rules, <laughs> right, right. you know, that that quality has to be really important. You know, all those things we knew, but you know, definitely getting to know, getting that feel for running a US supply chain. It took us a couple of years to really settle in.
1: Yeah, just those first few years. There's so many different pieces of a company that you have to that you have to be involved in, right? Matt, I can't imagine. How is the staff culture? A pretty cool group of outdoor-minded. They must have been pumped that like Hydropack is now coming. Like, how was that met? Was that met with some really great applause? That
0: Yes and no. So it was a, a company that had gone through a few years of layoffs. And mm-hmm. so they were really excited for someone to come in who was from the industry and, you know, not a big corporate folks or, or whatnot. You know, that we were I think they understood where we were coming from as hydropack and, and around performance. It was a cultural shift, you know, especially the last few years under the previous ownership, they had really focused on cost savings and cost reduction. So it was very kind of a turning into a low cost environment. And we are much more of an innovation performance environment. And so, like I said, a real high focus on quality. There hadn't been new bottle shapes or other things for a number of years. And so we really had to come in and kind of change some of the thinking that, yes, you know, delivering what people want is not just about low price. I mean, yes, everybody wants low price, but also, but really, you know, it's got to perform. And Mm -hmm. so the, so there was a change in mindset that went on Mm
2: -hmm. and it
0: was, I think if anyone's done this, we were two similar sized companies as far as numbers of people. And which meant there was a little bit, you know, the cultures weren't fully aligned on that front. And so it took a couple years of of just working on the culture and working with the people and, and bringing people along. And we didn't want to, you can't just transplant the culture. It's something that you have to work on every day.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's like continuous, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: So, that, so that's been a big deal. And I would say it really took two years for the culture to fully swing around. And now I feel that the you know, that the, all of the brands, the companies are very much aligned and, and integrated. But it took a couple of years.
1: I have to tell you, and I know I told you when we were speaking off record earlier, I'm a huge fan of polar bottles. I'm not saying that because I'm talking to you right now or or for our listeners, but I used to run a, a, a team and I used to own a bicycle store. We sold a ton of your bottles. And the reason that I love them so much is the graphics? And I'm sure you've heard this a time, but they don't rub off. They're like inside the bottle, so they they look fresh and new for years. I mean, I have some bottles. You'd hate me for this, Matt, that have been around for like years, like eight plus years.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I mean, those are my words, but what are some highlights that you hear from people, or, or like, what are your personal faves about the bottles?
0: I did I, right right when we bought well, it. I was out on a ride south of Livermore here in the Bay Area. And a guy rolled into the shop and he it was kind of a little restaurant on the side of the road and that where cyclists go to do their refills. And he came in with two polar bottles and it was an older polar bottle and then a really old one. Like they're the, the very first generation of polar bottle that literally was is 20 years old. And I just had to say to that guy, wow, how long have you had that bottle? <laughs> That's amazing. So it was truly a 20 a year old bike bottle still out being used actively. Yeah, you know, for me, I I love the, the insulation side of things, you know, where they were the innovators polar bottle was and then but we really wanted to take and kind of modernize it and bring in all the new features. So we, we did make some changes, we kept that nice metallic foil liner on the inside, which added nicely the insulation. And I just love the way as you mentioned that it that you can print all the way on it, you know, top to bottom, beautiful graphics. And then they stay protected the whole time. So, you know, what you've invested in as far as your look, your color, uh, your team graphics, it doesn't uh, scrape off over time. So we kept that. We added some insulation, some foam insulation just to to boost the insulation factor. And we kind of changed the construction of the bottle so that it was easier to squeeze because that was kind of a big thing to me. So we, we did a few changes like that. The caps I thought were brilliant. So Robert Heiberger developed them, again, the original innovator and and he had, you know, the traditional push-pull cap, which we call the sport cap. And then he developed one that we call the surge valve, which is the self-sealing silicon. So, it's a push-pull to seal, but also you can just squeeze the water out. So, we we'd have those two caps that we developed or that, that were already in place, kind of separated the lines around that. You know, one being very, you know, more sport-oriented, if you will, for everyday users. And then a surge, the surge cap around more competitive cyclists or more performance oriented cyclists. And so I, I liked that line. I liked kind of positioning the product, more, you know, very much towards cycling, that that was one of my thoughts coming into the brand was that at one point in time, plastic insulated bottles were great insulation. And so they sold well at places like Dick's and whatnot. But now we have stainless steel bottles. And this insulation is so much better. It really puts, you know, the, the insulated bottles are really handy for cyclists. But if you're just looking to keep your drink cold, you know, the stainless steel works better. So we really wanted to reposition the brand back around cycling and make sure that all the buy, b- bottles work for cycling and that they were kind of the graphics, the stories, the technologies was, was all, would all work for cyclists. So we did that with the insulated bottles, which we kept the kids' bottle, that 12 ounce insulated bottle, and then the the twenty and twenty four, and then we added a line of single wall bottles, so traditional bottles, and that that we knew that that's a big part of cycling, and if you want to be a complete supplier for cyclists, you make those as well. We had the the, the, the great valve caps already, and then we we took a a page from that twelve ounce kids bottle, that idea of doing a different size, and so we did our our single wall bottles in four different sizes. So the traditional sort of 20 and 24 ounce size, we added a 15 ounce size, which is very cool. We kind of got that request from some full suspension bike manufacturers that were looking for a smaller bottle to fit in those full suspension front triangles. And we're very used to kind of working original equipment with brands and dialing things in. So we literally went back and forth and got exactly the the perfect size to fit in their cage and the front triangle. So that was kind of the, the inspiration for the 15 ounce bottle. We call it the session bottle. And then we'd also gotten a lot of responses. The first responses coming out of the, right after the Dirty Kanza two years ago of people looking for just bigger bottles. I had pictures of Gatorade bottles masked with masking tape on down tubes. <laughs> and uh, they're like, can you make us a bigger bottle? So we also came out with a 30 ounce um, single wall bottle just to be able to get six ounces more in each bottle. And, and that one's actually gotten really great reception so far this year. It's the first year we're rolling it out. So yeah, it's been fun to kind of take that the some of those great building blocks that were there and then modernize it. And then like I said, really try to fill out that line as a great line for cycling shops and cyclists.
2: Have you heard of the Bicycle Retailer Excellence Awards? The MBDA's Bicycle Retailer Excellence Award, or BREE, celebrates diversity and excellence in bicycle retail. With a focus on inclusivity, the program unites retailers, suppliers, industry organizations, advocates, and consumers in identifying and highlighting exceptional bicycle stores across North America. Recipients will be acknowledged and awarded not only for their excellence in retail, but their integrity, inclusiveness, spirit, and commitment to ridership. In 2021, over 300 retailers took part in the program. In 2022, one of them should be you. Visit nbda.com slash B-R-E-A to sign up now. There's no cost to participate in the program and all retailers will benefit from completing the revised application featuring highly analytical questions related to the why of your business. Winners will be announced in July 2022 and an exciting awards program will be held live in person at the Big Gear Show in August. The Bicycle Retailer Excellence Awards is supported by QBP U of Q Institute. Quality Bicycle Products, a certified B Corp, distributes hundreds of wholesale brands to thousands of independent retailers and offers a wide variety of educational programming and advocacy programs that strengthen bike communities. U of Q provides educational experiences to improve your business, pursue career development, and build a stronger industry. U of Q Institute is the leading trade school for bicycle mechanics. Believing that repairing and maintaining bicycles is a science, not an art, their core philosophy revolves around providing a professional-grade technical education that teaches students methodology and measurable, repeatable processes. Learn how to sharpen individual skills, gain brand and bike product knowledge, and learn how to serve bicycle communities through U of Q programming at QBP.com. I love to hear that you
1: really focused your efforts on dialing in the bicycle brand, you know, as a bicycle brand. Because if I think back to like 2000, I think you know, retailers, some re- some bicycle retailers were like looking for that bottle that was like a dollar fifty, you know, dealer cost that they could give away with a bike purchase. But we're really like upselling, upscaling our water bottle option. I remember when I used to sell Polar bottles at the store, I just told the customer like, "You, this will be the." You don't need another water bottle. You have this one, like this water bottle is gonna last you forever. And then so the, the little graphics on the kids' bottles. Oh my god, the kids would just go over, even if they weren't getting a bike. It was like, Mom, I want one of these bottles. So <laughs> it's definitely you can really get into selling water bottles with a nice display, but you have to invest space and effort into it.
2: All
1: yeah. right, mean, the bottles last forever, but what about the caps? Like, you know how many times I've lost a cap? Do you sell replacement parts? And
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, we we sell we sell replacement caps on our website. They're quite popular. We do get, it's probably our number one SKU on the website, which is great. Again, is the graphics don't wear, the best thing, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, you know, keep on using that bottle. The valves are the first thing that wear out. So you put those things in the dishwasher after a couple of seasons, they're going to start to lose their shape and you'll get a little bit of, of, of drips through them and whatnot. So it's easy to replace a cap. And so we do sell a lot of replacement caps. Our caps literally are work with the bottles going all the way back. And then our caps are interchangeable. So if you want to switch between a sport cap and a surge cap, you can go back and forth. We also have dust covers now for both caps. You know, people are concerned about dirt and about hygiene and whatnot. So we have dust cover for the the, uh, surge valve called a muck cover, and then one for our sport valve called the clean cover. And you can add a dust cover at any time as well. So they're all interchangeable. They can go back and forth. And it's a great way to kind of add a new life to your bottle, Uh, you know, by changing the cap or adding a, a dust cover and using it in a little different manner.
1: I love that. I didn't even know about the covers. That's super cool. Okay. So let's dive into how you are working with retailers. I know the bottles are, I think they're on QBP and JBI. Do you also have a B2B? Can retailers work with you guys directly or?
0: The pandemic was a great time for distributors. One stop shop for for uh, for the retailers and QBP and JBI were the, our lo- our largest two distributors over the last two years. So we do have a full line with them and with other distributors as well. We are excited. We just launched a B two B site at at the beginning of this year. It's on the Elastic platform. So some retailers would be familiar with it from other brands. But we you know we're excited about that B two B option because one of the big things we do is custom bottles. Distributors are great for inline stuff, but with our custom capabilities and some of our, our other unique sizes and whatnot that they, that those distributors aren't onto to yet, we can offer it direct to retailers through our website. And so it's kind of a nice combination of the two. We're going to be promoting it for the first six months with free freight on all shipments for bottles for people ordering inline bottles or custom bottles. Hopefully that will get things started and then we'll take a look. You know, after six months, and see what's kind of the best uh, best way to serve the, the retail customers, whether it's distributors, directly B two B, or what people want to do.
1: Matt, are you offering? You're offering free free? Are you crazy? Like that's not happening right now. <laughs> what are you doing?
0: <laughs> right, yeah. This is this is the time of of no discounts, right? <laughs> at least we get no discounts to the on the for the consumers. We're not like marking down the bikes right now. But yeah, no, we we definitely want to get things rolling on it, and the. Uh, that we we don't, you know, one of the ways that we're different from some of our competitors is we don't have a big field sales force. So we don't have a lot of reps out in the field. Our business has grown kind of original equipment. Um, we have sold to distributors, but we want to make that outreach directly to retailers and we want to work more. And we think we've got some great products, again, that don't work by going through the distributors, you know, things like the custom products. And so we really want to forge those relationships, but they're going to be direct relationships. They're not necessarily, we do have some good, a few places where we have good reps, but it's not, certainly doesn't cover even half of the dealers in the country. So So if
1: a retailer wanted to have their logo or a custom bottle done, they would just like send your staff, like your team, their logo, and then you guys will work the artwork up or what's that process look like?
0: Yeah, really just calling our, our number or or sending an email to info at hydropack.com to get things started. I'm just saying you're sitting in customs. Our someone from our customer service team will reach out and walk you through the process, just kind of try to figure out the what product, what sizes, quantities, whatnot. And then we so the the graphics, especially for an insulated bottle. Is a little more complicated than just throwing a logo on it because we really, you know, you end up decorating the entire bottle. So we usually come up with a theme (laughs) as well as a logo, and so there's there's a little more back and forth. But we've got, you know, our our three people in our customer service department. We have a dedicated full time graphic designer who just does bottle graphics, and and so we've got very quick turnaround on it and very high quality images, I believe. And then that because we print. In house, so we've got the designers, the customer service people. We have the printers in house, and then we do the assembly from start to finish. It's about two weeks for a custom insulated bottle order right now.
1: Oh, that's awesome, and that's right now. So g- even given all the inventory issues going on, because you're US based, I'm assuming is are, you have, you have good inventory.
0: Yeah, we've been inventory has been very good. For, so we were you know middle of 2020, we were probably t- shipping orders in three weeks. But so we were stretched out a little bit more, but not that much. Yeah, we've had again like good relationships. All the all of our components are coming from Missouri, Colorado. I guess we've got some coming from Wisconsin, but it's all been, you know, local, a much shorter supply chain. A big thing that we did, you know, we were fortunate. We we, you know, I told you about those all those changes we did to the product line. We launched that in the beginning of 2020. So we started the pandemic with this fully new product line. The other thing we did is we made a kind of, again, a change of mindset from where the company used to be. We said that we were going to ship all orders within two days. And this was kind of a big change from where we'd been. It was a manufacturing-based environment before. And I said, no, we're a customer-based environment. We're going to turn around all orders within two days, and we're going to ship all custom orders within two weeks. And so, that we did that change at the beginning of 2020. In order to do to kind of hit that two-day commitment, we had to put about a hundred thousand bottles in stock. So we kind of did a production ramp, built up our inventory to that level, and then now our manufacturing just replenishes the inventory as it gets pulled down. And our our weekly capacity we increased to about twenty-five thousand bottles a week on the insulated side. So that actually is it's we did that in the beginning of twenty twenty. So. It's served us very well. It's kind of established a new service level for us with our our retailers about how quickly we'll turn things around, and really is you know I, I think has made our our custom insulated bottle the uh, the benchmark in the
1: industry. That's a huge transition, you know, switching to to really say okay within two days, within two weeks, customer focused. It's a huge thing to get the whole culture of your team behind it, and to you know first getting yourself prepared for it so you can do it. Um, yeah. But as you're saying. Really paid off, huh, Matt?
0: Well, I was expecting to do a whole lot of advertising in 2020. <laughs> right? We had all this new stuff, all these new investments, and we were going to have to shout about it and get people to notice. Well, you know, the huge vacuum that that the pandemic created as far as bike products. We figured we probably had new products in a thousand different retailers, and by the end of that year and we i i don't know how much we would have had it had to pay to try to do that if it weren't for all the demand and then the fact that we had supply when our competitors didn't so you know really uh, thankful actually for how it turned out for for being able to kind of have that to relaunch the brand and and get the new products and refresh products in so many people's hands so quickly
1: and matt have you retained a lot of these retailers that came on board and you know had just they found success with you and you've continued to sell to them
0: Yes and no. I I think a lot of those retailers were through distributors to Mm -hmm. start. So we, we would hear about them all over, but we didn't necessarily sell directly to the retailers ourselves. The ones that we did custom products for, we did. And so we've definitely retained those. And our distributor business is still solid. It's not quite what it was in 2020. But like I said, with the new B2B effort, we're really trying to make sure that we connect much more with you know directly with retailers so they know about us and and we understand some people want to buy through their bikes through or their bottles through distributors that's fine uh, we work with the distributors others want to work direct and, and again I think we've we've got some some interesting things that we can only really sell it directly like the custom programs so you know we think both will be out there we definitely are working with more retailers now than in the past directly but it's not not at the thousand dealer level.
1: It's just so nice to have the support of a brand, like to be able to pick up the phone and call someone or email someone on the team and ask a question or, or place an order quickly. Sure. This, this one might catch you off guard. I always found that displaying water bottles in the store for sale was was a challenge. Like I know Polar Bottle used to have the up display where the bottles yeah. went into, it was pretty cool. Any advice for retailers that are looking to increase their water bottle sales? Any display or sales techniques?
0: Well, I think people do a much better job selling bottles now than they used to. Like you said, it used to be five bucks in a garbage bin. And that that was the retail display. So now, you know, bottles are presented, people can see the features and colors. And so we're selling products. We're not just kind of trying to give them away. And so I think that's great. You know, everybody knows that people like to match their, their bottles to their kit colors or their frame colors. And so putting them, you know, near the cash wrap as a, as that kind of impulse purchase is a great way to get sales up and to be able to, to, to uh, display the different colors. I've seen a couple interesting things recently. One is I've seen more bottles displayed with clothing. So especially kind of with that color coordinated, um, like if you think of a four-way that's got some different um, kit on it, you know, people putting bottles on the top that match the color of the clothing that's on those racks. Um, so I've seen a little bit on that way, just that kind of matching. I've also seen more people start to use the uh, the peg hangers and hang the bottles rather than just standing them on the shelf. You know, it has the advantage of people can kind of look visually and see more colors and sizes all at once, uh, as opposed to kind of seeing uh, the depth of, of products standing on a shelf. And then you have the benefit that the bottles don't fall over when they're hanging. That, that's something that if, if, if a retailer is interested in doing using hangers rather than just standing them on the shelf, we do make a, a plastic hanger that snaps over the valve and allows people to, to hang them on pegs. Um, we don't provide it standard with the bottles, but if you make the request when you order it, if you're buying from us directly, you make the request, we'll throw in uh, two dozen you know, for free with two dozen bottles and they're a little bit like clothing hangers. You can just snap them off at, at point of sale when you're when you're selling the bottle and put it on the next one and hang it. So it keeps them from just going into the waste, but they're, you know, nice little plastic hangers. And that, that does, pegging them does make it a nice, interesting visual selection versus putting them, sanding them on a shelf.
1: Yeah. You bring up a good point. It's like the domino effect. I forgot when like a little kid would come over and like, Put the one and then they all go down. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Fantastic advice. Can I ask you the same thing about with hydration packs?
0: So hydration packs are a little different. There we find the biggest issue is that, you know, the hydration packs come all nice and complete and packed together and people just want to hang them up on the wall. But when consumers are shopping, the hydration system is actually a really big part of the sale. And so the, you know, and a lot of people have owned a hydration pack before. So they kind of know what they like. They don't know what they don't like. Maybe they want to see how the closures works, uh, if it's easy to clean, maybe how the bite valves set up. And so they'll pull that, that backpack down and start unzipping every zipper and dig the, the reservoir out, try to check out what's going on. And then if, you know, they'll just put it, they'll just stick it back up on the wall and it looks like a jumbled mess. And so, you know, we found uh, kind of a best practice is to take a a loose reservoir, um, someone that's not in its packaging, and just put it next to the hydration packs. And so that somebody can see the pack, and then they can also play with the hydration system without trying to disassemble everything. And it kind of gives people the information they need to make the purchase without having to to go through and, and dig through it all themselves. And it keeps the display looking nice for the next person. So we I, we would laugh sometimes when you come to the uh, the backpack display and all the tubes are hanging down towards the floor because they've all been un- disassembled and, and whatnot. And I would call always call it the spaghetti display.
1: Yeah, that is such an important point because, yeah, it's like you don't want to even, you know, I'm thinking of myself, I don't want to ruin the display, but I want to look at what the bladder looks like. And it's hard to get out without like taking it all apart. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, Excellent. So.
1: Excellent tip. Okay. So you mentioned a couple of times that, you know, a U.S.-made product, US That's huge, right? Polar Bottle. Do you feel that for retailers that highlighting that is a good thing when it comes to motivation for consumer purchases?
0: Well, I would say Made in the USA is never a negative. Yeah. For people to, to say it's Made in the USA, that's, that's a positive. But I also don't think it sells the product. I think people come in looking for a solution for their needs. You know, some I need a new water bottle. I need a black one to go with my black bike. I want something that's easier to clean. Whatever the 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 need they have is still the need. And so, made in USA doesn't satisfy their need. It's a I'd say it's a nice to have, not a have to have. And so, you really have to to solve their satisfy their needs first. Showing them the right color, showing them you know the right functionality in a bottle, the right size. And then maybe Made in the USA is a swing factor at the end. If there's two bottles that satisfy the same need, then USA might be you know, preferable to not Made in the USA. But I, I find it's almost never the first factor.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking so much right now that when it is a great opportunity for your sales team to be suggestive sellers and you know talk about the features and benefits of the bottle, but also a great time just to talk about how you keep your bottle clean, you know, and how you make sure that your bottle will last over the years. You talked about sustainability. Are you, are polar bottles friendly for the environment? Are you able to recycle some of the products and, and how are you taking a role in that?
0: You know, when, as when sustainability has increased over the uh, in importance over the years and people have asked more and more about it, we had to take a look at ourselves. We make all plastic products. So, you know, where are we going to stand on this? And so for me, it was really important that we be at the forefront of this movement, that we use plastic for a reason. We use plastic because it's lighter weight, because it has better performance features, and because it lasts a long time. You know, we we don't, we didn't want to move away from using plastic. So we really had to embrace all the ways to be sustainable around it, if you will. You know, again, reduce, reuse, recycle. We changed all of our plast- our packaging to readily recyclable packaging. So that's something we could alter. We kind of moved away from any second on those things and moved to cardboard. We've taken any recycled materials that we can use, and we've started incorporate th- incorporating them. So our Recon uh, Triton water bottle is made out of the 50% recycled material, renew material that in both the bottle and the cap. We've been working with our, you know, many of our customers about trying to find ways to recycle other materials. It's tricky with um, food safety that if you want to recycle, you have to be, re- you know, we can't just make a chunky looking product where you can still see the bits of ground up old things like, no, that's not food safe. <laughs> so, I mean, like recycled material isn't as easy. We're still working on that. We do recycle where we can on an industrial level, which is, you know, any uh, rejects in our factories or blends or things like that, we keep those. Uh, we return them to our manufacturer. They can be reground and turned into new bottles. And then, you know, just kind of beyond that, we did make the commitment last year um, for carbon neutrality. So we I've got a blessed with a great uh, product director named John Austin. He's been a a champion within our our organization for this whole unsustainability movement. And so he got a team together last year, measured our carbon footprint, identified what we needed uh, to be certified as carbon neutral, which is essentially purchase some carbon offsets. So we worked with 1% for the planet, bought those offsets, and yeah, last year we became uh, certified as carbon neutral. So we don't want to move away from plastic as a material for a solution for our, our, our athletes, because we think it's the best material, but we are going to do everything to make sure that they feel good about that purchase when they make it.
1: Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks for stepping up And the climate is and everything that's happening right now with the climate is very important to me and to everyone, you know, to everyone on this planet and thinking about just as we're, you know, retailers selling these bottles, it's really, it's really amazing. I mean, the, the history of polar bottles, as you said, the, the gentleman that had two polar bottles in his hand when you, you know, we it would be really cool to see the history of polar bottles. Like, like show mm-hmm. me your old polar bottle because we are talking <laughs> about a bottle that you can have for a very long time, you know, and it goes that the journey is. with you. I'm all about buying something that's quality instead of just buying something to buy something, you know, so. um Absolutely. So, all right, Matt, it's been crazy the past two years. There's a lot, you know, our, our our industry has seen a lot of changes. We are gonna continue to see a lot of changes. It sounds like you've had a lot of growth the past two years. I mean, what are you left to, you know, as you're looking every day, talking to people in your network, working with retailers, thinking about growth down the line for your own company, how are you just feeling right now after the past two years and all the changes we've seen?
0: As you mentioned, feel really blessed. At, at how we've, we've come through this and that we've been able to turn it into a period of growth and that it hasn't derailed us. We've taken a lot of precautions for employee safety. That's worked out well and, you know, hope knock on wood, maybe we're past it or maybe there's something else coming the next winter. I don't know, but, uh, but all those, those things have worked out. I feel like we've got a lot of new consumers, a lot of new that have come into our world in the last couple of years. I mean, all I heard before this for years, every year, you know, you go to the conference and there's fewer bicyclists now than there were a year ago. And they're all a year older than they were a year ago. We've got no new people coming into the sport. And that was kind of the drumbeat that you'd hear every year. And and everyone just would kind of look at each other not sure how to fix it. And suddenly within two years, we've increased the number of riders by millions. You know, they said like 20%. I like forget the number of people for bikes has, what a great shot in the arm, you know, new, new riders in the category. And then you've got products like the e-bikes, which are even bringing a broader range of folks, you know, letting people ride longer in the life and, and taking them out, you know, to new places. So I feel really good about kind of being able to build our business in this climate. And so I'm happy with all the new consumers. I do kind of, you know, Have to do that gut check, you know. Is this all the boats rising with the tide, or are we doing something that other people aren't doing? Or what's going to happen next? Is the tide going to go out? You know, I hear, I read about that a lot. Retailers worried about inventory gluts on bikes, and I definitely know from my Marin mountain bike days, you know, the annual struggle of closeouts versus new products, and how difficult that is with the super long supply chains. So yeah, that's those are very real concerns. But again, you know, just look at the opportunity it's just, this is a kind of an opportunity we haven't seen in the bike industry in years, and so, how can you not be excited about all those new people to be able to go out and talk to and and just kind of share our enthusiasm for the sport
1: I'm so with you i'm I'm very optimistic and um you know I meet with you know hundreds of retailers every month and you know hear their concerns and worries and I want to stay optimistic because I'm seeing just, you know, suppliers talking to retailers, re- retailers talking to advocacy groups. Like we are genuinely working collectively together. We've gotten closer as an industry. And I, I do think that's going to help us. I guess, Matt, I guess, yeah, let me ask you any tips or advice to bicycle retailers right now?
0: You know, I, I would just say, like I said, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about where our industry is at. And I would share something that I've heard over the years. I've, I've got a really good friend who's been part of the Amazon management team for 20 years. And so we would, you know, we could get together every year and we're always talking, you know, about his business, high business and whatnot. And, and one thing that he would always say to me is, you know, oh, yeah, you know, we do online, but online will never compete with with uh, specialty retail or, or boutique retail in, in his language that they always recognized that there's going to be a need for people on the ground who are experts at what they do who are able to be have that convenience factor and i just thought it was really you know he was out of all the people that that i've talked to that are, that are retailers that kind of question it i thought he was always the most confident in the retailer's future of anyone that i would talk to and so you know that this is this is from the heart of amazon you know i would say yeah, you know, you, you've got to know your customer. You've got to know where you add value. You can't think you're going to win every fight. You know, there's some other fights that other people are better positioned to win. And so you just have to find the fight, you know, the the places where you can add value and create your business around it and keep your customers close. So I know I, those are, are tried and truisms about specialty retail, but I, 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 I don't see that changing. You know, yes, some things will move online. Some things already have. But overall, there's gonna always be a solid place for specialty retail. And so have confidence. You know, just make sure you you execute. Execute local execution is everything.
1: Yeah, there's so much you can do right in your local community. And you just hunker down and focus on what you do best. I'm with you on that. I have goosebumps right now, actually. Um, because I think the future for specialty retailers is is quite grand, actually. What about the future for you? Like a hydropack, polar bottle, anything you can share without. You know, giving too much secret away.
0: Well, let's see what do we got on the on deck. Um, I mean, we've been doing this for twenty years. We're focused on athletes, focused on performance. I I believe our success in the future is to stay focused. So I would say the things you'll see from us are are like things you've seen in the past. This year, we've you know we've got new lineups coming up for twenty twenty three. A big new change to the reservoir lineup, kind of revamping that both for ourselves and what we're offering to our OE customers. So that'll be exciting. Some increases in our our water storage line, kind of our backcountry water storage, which has been hugely successful the last few years. But also, you're going to see us out at a lot more events this year. So again, we got a, we've got a lot. You know, there's a lot of new consumers out there from our standpoint. As you know, the you know not as well known as some of our competitors. It's a great opportunity to get out in front of folks who don't have. 20 years of purchase history behind them. You know, they're they're looking at brands for the first time and retail solutions for the first time. And this is the time to get in front of them and let them know what we've got. So we have greatly increased the number of events we're going to be at this year. We've increased our advertising for this year, again, trying to get our, our name out there and kind of letting, letting people know what we do. So I would say that's probably the biggest change. And then, you know, we're always interested, we're, we're interested in serving all athletes ultimately. So bicycling is fantastic for us right now that, you know, the polar bottle growth, that's a lot of fun. You know, we've also got some some Triton hard bottles that we've introduced again around this recycled concept. And I think that will find a good home with the hikers uh, and backpackers as well. So we look to just continue to expand along the theme of performance hydration.
1: I love that. And my brain is like humming over here because you're saying events and I'm like, okay, re- retailers could do an event like upgrade your hydration and have like a clinic at the store all about hydration packs and water bottles and why it matters. Like how awesome would that be? <laughs> there's so many ideas. Yeah.
0: And we, and we try to, we try to local, loop in a local retailer uh, when we go to events as well. You know, it works great for logistics, but also, you know, yeah, like you said, from a sales standpoint, you know, we bring some things to show and sell, but there's always opportunities for more. And so we like working with local retailers when we do events. I'm thinking of one broken arrow, the marathon up in the Tahoe Palisades that we do with a local retailer there. It just works out better when we have a retailer to work with. So yeah, they're, I think uh, I also think attendance is going to be up at events this year. A lot of new folks who you know, have got the bike out of the garage, have got the running shoes on, they're ready to do their first 10K, they're ready to do the first charity ride. I think there's going to be a lot of new folks up
1: yeah i'm I'm really excited. the calendar's filling up pretty quickly already are you so are you still cycling that
0: yeah yeah i i'm I probably log i don't know 2,000 miles a year do a few centuries, few charity rides Actually, my wife and I love to cycle together. It's definitely something that that kind of keeps us together so yeah I, I still am loving it and it's it's my main activity.
1: I love that. So, all right. Sometimes our listeners like to reach out for additional information. Maybe they have a question. Is there a contact or what's the best way to get a hold of you or someone at your team?
0: You know, for the team, if they want to know more about the products, the B2B website, whatnot, our website's a great place to start. There's separate websites for Polar Bottle, Hydropack, and BottleBright. So those are all three different ones. But uh, people can email us at info at hydropack.com. That goes in and those get answered very quickly and, and will get sent to whoever you want to talk to as far as whether it's uh, about custom bottles or if you're looking for a dealer inquiry or whatnot or, or want to talk to our marketing people about a local event. That that's, the, that's the kind of the, the central hub for that information. If somebody wants to reach out to me, absolutely. Uh, I'm matt at Hydropack.com, So M-A-T-T. So pretty simple. Come into my email. And then I'll also be at some of the events this spring. I'll be at Sea Otter. And then I'll be at Outdoor Retailer this summer, and I'm going to be at the uh, the Big Sur Marathon that's coming up in a, a little over a month. So, and then I'll probably do a few other bike and and running events this summer. I'm not sure which ones yet, but I just get totally re-energized every time I go out to an event and see all the people and see all the excitement, and it just reminds me exactly why I do this.
1: Right? Yeah. We will put those links in the show notes, and um, I'll see you at Sea Otter, I guess. Oh, and- wonderful. For coming on the show, for sharing the history. This has been awesome. It's always like an hour flies by before.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate being here. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I'd love to catch you at uh, theater.
1: That'll be fun. Yeah. So, all right, listeners, that is it. I invite you to connect with me. Come on Bicycle Retail Radio. You can share your story with our listeners. If you haven't been on the MBDA website, head over. There's lots of great networking meetings coming up. Also, visit our YouTube page to view past webinar episodes. If you're a first-time listener, be sure to check out the previous podcast episodes. Do us a favor, leave a review. That's it. Thank you for listening. And with this, we go.
0: This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association.
1: For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com